Hello, and welcome to another episode of Set Lusting Bruce, a podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and I am thrilled to have a new Bruce Bud. This is someone I haven't got to visit with very much, and I'm excited to get to know him. Bruce Bud, please introduce yourself. Uh, James Ryder, right here in Dallas. Hey, James. Yeah, it's kind of funny that we're... Um, we're recording this over the miracle of the internet, but we're actually uh, pretty close to each other when you – I'm in the Louisville area, and you're somewhere close, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in Plano. Okay, very nice. So uh, thrilled you're on the show. I appreciate it. So, James, start out. Tell us a little bit about your Bruce background. How did you find Bruce and uh, you know your Bruce journey, so to speak? Okay, well, it, this is how far back it goes for me. I, I was uh, – I realized a while ago in about 1975 or 1976 when I was about six or seven years old, uh, the very first song that, you know, young child really not into pop music or anything, the very first song I can ever remember catching my attention was uh, Manfred Mann's Earth Band singing Blinded by the Light. Okay. And I remember very distinctly, you know, being in a Montgomery Awards in Hampton, Virginia with my mom, and they have this giant wall of 45 records for sale. Yes, and uh, I remember pulling that, a copy of that off the off the rack and taking it to my mom and asking her to buy it buy it for me. Of course, um, she didn't because she was a responsible parent, and you know, they <laughs> had, you know I was six years old and they had beers, which probably meant they were on drugs or something. So yes, I ended up getting a read along with Spider Man record instead. But mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't until you know. Just a weird coincidence. Years and years later, I realized that uh, you know this artist whose music had become such a huge part of my life also happened to write the very first song that I remember. You know, and it was, uh, you know, I think, in high school, I bought a copy of Greetings from Asbury Park, and you know, saw that song on there, and I, and listened to it, and I was like, wow, this is so much better than the Manfred Mann version. <laughs> um, you know, in a weird, um, not Bruce-related, but music-related. Um, I had graduated uh, high school back in 77, so I'm a uh-huh. little bit older than you. And um, I was at the Montgomery Wards in Lake Charles, Louisiana, at the Preon Lake Mall. And I was looking for something new, and I ran into Endless Summer by the Beach Boys on 8-track tape. Uh-huh. And I picked that up, and that became... My other obsession, musical obsession, is Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. So um, I still have that eight track. It doesn't play, but it's in a in a box somewhere just because that was the first thing I bought. So who knew Montgomery Wards making <laughs> Bruce, uh, you know, making music fans everywhere? Yeah. So that's awesome. So um, so you have almost grown up with Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Um... I uh, really started listening to him, and probably you know I'd heard of him you know, a little bit uh, in the early '80s. You know, there was Hungry Heart, and there was I remember when MTV first came out, there was a, a video for uh, uh, Rosalita that uh, had him in some bar where all these women were just swarming all over him. Yes, and they played that in super heavy rotation, and um, but it wasn't until um, until uh, Born in the USA came out that I really uh, got into him. You know, it was when I was uh, in eighth or ninth grade about that time, 
uh, hair bands were the big thing. You know, everybody, right. uh, Def Leppard or Motley Crue or Van Halen or Rush, and none of that really appealed to me. You know, I try, I remember uh, going out and buying a cassette of uh, Def Leppard's Pyromania because every kid my age had it, and I brought home and I just remember just trying my best to 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 like it and it, just uh, you know shaking my head around and and trying to rock out to it, and then there's this little voice in the back of my head saying, I don't know if this is working. You know? And, uh, yeah. you know, the hiss at the beginning was okay, but once the music started, it really kind of went downhill. Um, so, you know, one day I come home from school and turn on MTV, and they've got Dancing in the Dark. Uh, yeah. Playing. It just came out. And that was a song that really resonated with me. You know, the lyrics there, you know, I ain't nothing but tired, just tired and bored with myself. You know, sure. I look in the mirror, I want to change my clothes, my hair, my face. Um, really with, you know, awkward pimply face teen that I was, that really resonated with me. Um, yeah. And you know, the, I think a lot of times serious Bruce funds kind of, you know, we throw away the the greatness of Born in the USA, that album, because the songs have been so overplayed. Yeah. Um, and the but there is some wonderful songs on there and and some really great truths of, you know, I agree. I mean, Dancing in the Dark, we've all felt that way. Yeah. You know, where, um, you know, it's interesting because he later um talks about that you know um you know f feeling sorry for a man who's not comfortable in his own skin and i'm getting uh -huh. the lyrics wrong but you know um but i think we've all felt there where you know i just want to change everything about myself especially as a teenager sure uh, there's so much undoing um so you really got into him then um did when did you get to see him live for the first time well, um, didn't get to see him live until uh, until uh, the Rising tour in 2002. Uh, I grew up in El Paso. And, yes. Uh, if you check the tour tour shirts from uh, that era, there weren't a lot of stops there. And you know, uh, James, I have the the same story, and I think that's how we originally connected via uh -huh. the Facebook pages. You talked about the Rising was your first tour too. We we without knowing, we were both in the same building for that yeah. uh, Dallas show. Um, you know, he had been – I had lived in Dallas since 86, but mm -hmm. it just never worked out that I could see him perform. There was always uh, – you know, I had a young son, you know, husband duties, work sure. duties, and I'd never seen him. And so um, do you have any specific memories of that tour, that show? The the biggest thing I remember that impressed me was, uh, was I think, Patty's voice, oddly yeah. enough. You know, just um, there's a – uh, I want to say it was Into the Fire. Uh, There's a song where she was just uh, vocalizing at the beginning of the song, and, and the way it just filled the stadium. Yeah. Just just impressed the heck out of me. Um, that was the, the big takeaway from that show. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, it is. It was a great show. Um, the Rising. You know, we just did an episode where Colleen and I talked about that album and the sure. how wonderful it was. So that that is. I guess you could argue any uh, first Bruce show is a great Bruce show, but there is something really beautiful about seeing him on the rising. Mm -hmm. um, how many times have you seen him since? Well, I, 
I was uh, tallying it up this morning. I've seen him five times, so I'm pretty, you know, you know a pretty small number for for a Bruce fan. I think you've seen all the shows I've seen, but yeah. um, you know, and it is um, that's actually you know, it is weird that there are you know he has such a following mm-hmm. that you know. I can count the number on my hands, the number of people I've seen multiple times. I think maybe Billy Joel three or four times, mm-hmm. you know, just when they come, I'm going to go see them. And, you know, and a lot of times artists, you just go, yeah, I've seen them and I don't need to see them again. But with Bruce, you really, since every show is different, um, you want to see the different shows. Well, yeah, sometime I, I think um, sometime after the magic, magic uh show i just um i really decided i wanted to see him as much as possible while he was yeah. you know, while he was still performing and i remember there was a lot of talk of uh, you know, being from dallas uh during the uh working on a dream tour there was a lot of you know you know checking the thing every day to see if he's going to come to dallas and there was a you know a lot of rumors about that uh in the fall that there was going to be a you know Tour that would you know hit like Oklahoma City, Dallas, Austin, and Houston, and I was like, if that happens, then I want to do like a Grateful Dead thing and just follow them around for a couple of weeks. <laughs> but he ended up not uh, not coming to. Uh, I don't think he came to any of those places. Yeah, my friend. Um, what first led me to this is uh, my friend Sam um, is a huge Bob Dylan fan, and mm-hmm. a few years ago. Bob Dylan did three nights at the um, uh, here in Dallas at the Blues Club, you know, um, at downtown, and I'm mm-hmm. drawing a blank on it, and uh, House of Blues. Yeah. And he went to all three shows, and I, you know, and then you hear a lot about you know Jersey and Philly, um, you know, or Madison Square Gardens in New York, where you know you he'll do. Bruce would do three or four shows in a row. And I mentioned to my wife, I would love to do that sometime. And Mm -hmm. she was supportive and said, okay, you know, um, I've told the story before. Would you give up going to Dragon Con, uh, which Uh is my favorite science fiction convention? And I'm like, yes, I would give up going to see Dragon Con to see Bruce multiple times. And uh, so um, I was lucky enough in 2014, I saw him three times. I saw him in Dallas, the free show. I don't know if you went to the NCAA tournament show that was downtown uh, yeah yeah absolutely that was, yeah that was, that was an amazing day yeah we got to talk a little bit about that next then i <laughs> went to nashville i drove to nashville and uh now and then i went to see him in houston so um i think james the next time he tours you and i may have to carpool and you know <laughs> that would be awesome. you know and that way we could we could uh we could do a live show in the car and we could listen and that would be uh that'd be a lot of fun mm. So um, I've talked about this a little bit when, you know, I was not going to miss this free show in Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. I had already had tickets to Nashville and I'd already had tickets to Houston when they announced this. And that would get me up to 10 shows, mm-hmm. double digits, certainly not a record, but I felt like, OK, you know, a little pride. I've, I've at least hit double digits. And um I have to tell you, that Dallas show, you know, it was a little bit cold, you know, a little bit rainy, mm-hmm. and it was a little hit-centric set list, a little under three hours. 
But I tell you, I've I've never seen him interact with the crowd so much. Uh-huh. So many, um, you know, young people and teenagers out there enjoying the show. I, I think it was something pretty special. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And it was it was um, it was such a great experience because I never thought that I would. Um, you know, I was about twenty feet from the stage, and I never thought that nice. I would be like in the pit at a Bruce Springsteen show. Right. Every other show before that, I'd had a seat somewhere, and mm-hmm. I kind of made a decision that if he ever went on tour again, I wanted to try and trying to get in the pit which you know that's a that's a two-day commitment of yeah camping out somewhere and um getting a, a lottery ticket and doing all that that business yeah. and um i kind of you know made a decision i wanted to try and do that and then they announced the, the show in dallas and and it just happened to you know i got up that morning on sunday and walked down you know got to downtown dallas about 10 a.m and it was freezing out yeah and there was maybe, you know, a couple hundred people. You know, you were, we were all standing under that bridge. Yes. Yeah. And I was I probably, there with you. Yes. We yeah, probably saw each other, right? Probably, yeah. We, were, we might have talked to you. It was yeah. you know, a lot of people that day. Um, but I went by myself because I really couldn't find anybody else that wanted to, you know, to get up on Sunday morning and go stand in the weather for right. 13 hours to go see Bruce. So. And I kind of told people that um, you know a few people had kind of expressed some mild interest in going with me, and I, I kind of said, you know, I'm going to be like Shane on The Walking Dead. You know, when the gate opens, I'm making a beeline for the stage, and if you can't shoot, keep up, I'll shoot you in the kneecap and leave you for dead. <laughs> so um, nobody, you know, nobody wanted to make that kind of commitment. So I'm there by myself, and you know, you know, rushed up to the stage, and like I said, I, I got about 20 feet away. But once I did that, I realized. That, okay, I'm here by myself. I can't really move. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so from about 9 a.m. when I got in line until he took the stage around seven, until it ended about 10, 13 and a half hours, you know, standing in one spot. <laughs> no, I attending to any bodily needs. No, you know, not, I didn't want to drink anything. I didn't want to go to the bathroom. Didn't eat yeah. anything. Um, oh, that's commitment. I. Yeah. Um, so I got there pretty early too. Mm-hmm. Um, we were worried that, um, you know, it being a free show, I just not, I was concerned about the crowd mm-hmm. and my friend, Sam, that I just mentioned is elbows on the stage kind of guy. He mm-hmm. wants to be in the pit every chance he gets. And, um, so we got there early, uh, got in and, um, Listened a little bit to the opening acts, and I learned very quickly that my um, fat old body cannot handle standing that much. So I left. I I stood for Pat Green, mm-hmm. which was a good job. I mean, he was good. I, I was a little disappointed that Bruce didn't have him come on and just sing a chorus with him because Pat was talking about how cool it was that he was opening for Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. And – um. I told my buddy Sam, I said, look, I, I just can't do this. So you're going to be okay. He says, yeah, I'm fine. So I went back, um, sat near the sound um, booth uh, for, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the band beforehand. Uh, uh, fun. Yeah, fun. That was it. I keep wanting to say, you know, faith or something. But yeah, um, I got a thing. I got a Diet Coke, a thing of curly fries. I sat with my back hitting the cage of the sound booth. Um watch the show and then when bruce came on 
you know, I stood back and talked to a couple of guys who had come just for the tournament and mm-hmm. had never seen them and, and enjoyed the heck out of the show. Um, but yes, I had to use the bio break and get something to eat and drink. So that is dedication above and beyond. I'm sure once he finished Thunder Road, you were like, okay, where is the bathroom and where can I get something to drink? Well, it's kind of odd because, uh, like I said, I was just, you know, I was soaked to the bone and freezing and, yeah. and just couldn't feel anything below my neck and just completely miserable right up to the moment his show started and then for those three hours like completely forgot about any of that you know it was i have heard that so many times <laughs> and you know colleen talked about it that you know she sees the band you mm-hmm. know going that three hours and just giving so much energy and she's like hey if they can do it i can do it so that is great mm-hmm. uh that's that's a super uh story um so is there um is there any specific albums or songs that mean a great do to you deal to you? Uh, something you kind of use as maybe a personal mantra or a um, you know help you get through tough times? Well, um, there's a probably been a you know a couple times in my life that were that were uh, particularly difficult that uh, where his music has really helped me. Um, I mentioned already being, you know, a teenager. Yes. Um, like a lot, of, a lot of people, I had a difficult time then. You know, didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't have the greatest situation going on at home. And uh, um, it sounds uh, weird to say, but you know, Bruce Springsteen was probably my best friend from like age fourteen to eighteen. Yeah. And uh, you know, the albums, you know, Born to Run and, and Darkness, especially where you have all these songs about you know going through a struggle and rising and transcending and all that. Um, you know those two albums really stand out for me. Yeah. Um, songs like Badlands, you know, just played that in a loop over and over again. Um, Promised Land is a huge song for me. Yeah. Um, Adam raised a cane. Mm-hmm. I, you know those are um, just songs that have just a lot of resonance for me. Yeah. Uh, a big one is a uh, off the. Nebraska album. There's my father's house, which is just a really short, yeah, song about. Uh, so why that? What about that song specifically uh, gives you, you know, means is something special to you? Well, it's um, you know, it's a song about uh, talking about uh, you know your father, you know, this place where you're you're drawn to, but you don't really belong. Um, yeah, it's uh, you, you're ambivalent about and whatnot. It's uh. You know, the lyrics in there, you know, my father's house shines hard and bright, stands like a beacon, calling me in the night, calling me uh, so cold and alone, shining across this dark highway where our sins lie unatoned. You know, it's a great song. Yeah. And it just has a lot of personal resonance for me. Oh, um, anything you want to share? I don't want to get too personal, but that's (laughs) kind of what we're about here. Yeah. Is sharing our hopes and dreams and pains. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything you want to share on that? Well, just um, you know, I get you know, I don't think it's too unusual. You know, I, uh, he talks a lot about um, you know, having a difficult relationship with uh, yeah, other and and that certainly was the case for me as well. Um, um, so like many teenagers, um, parents and you not getting along. So, um, 
that can be difficult, and that kind of helped you through that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, so is your father still alive? No, he's been – he passed away I think in 1998. Yeah. Ah, okay. So you know, I'll tell you a story that's not about – my father died on um, September 11, mm-hmm. 2011. The 10th anniversary of September 11th oh, wow. is the day my dad passed. So 9-11 has a lot of different – um, emotions for me, not only, you know, the towers, but remembering my father dying. Mm-hmm. And, um, so there is some things about that, but, um, earlier la- or late last year, I was listening to the wish mm-hmm. and, oh. and yeah, Bruce talking about his mother mm-hmm. and, um, and I got all choked up and started crying in the car and I realized that I'm lucky enough that my mom is still alive. Sure. And so I picked up the phone and called her. And, you know, my mom, uh, you know, she's in her 70s. She still lives by herself. She is a force of nature <laughs> and, you know, uh, loves both kinds of music, country and Western. <laughs> and and so I was trying to explain to her, and she did not catch it at all. I mean, she was glad I called, and I call her once or twice a week, mm-hmm. you know. But she did, and I just was trying to explain that this song, and I was crying, and I'm so happy I can call you. Mm-hmm. And all she wanted to talk about is her latest visit to the doctor, mm-hmm. you know, and what everything was going. Isn't that weird? Like it always works out that way. That when yeah. you're like in an emotional state and you want to make some kind of connection, and they're yeah. like, and whoever you're trying to do it with is always like, okay. Yeah, now then, hey, let's let me talk to you about this. And you're like, no, 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 I just you understand, you know, that you're there. And, uh, and um, because my dad was in the army, and so she spent a lot of her life as a single mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you know he was in Vietnam or he was stationed in Germany or Korea, and so she was both mom and dad to us. And so there was just that connection that I felt. Um, that's, that's, that's very interesting. Um, so how about, do you, are you alone in your Bruce Springsteen fandom or do you have your friends that like him too? What do your friends think of this? And I'll use this with love, your obsession about Bruce and his music. Well, you know, I, you know, for a long time, I used to kind of evangelize for Bruce and try and you know get people sure. to, to listen to him and all that. And I've kind of given up on that because I realized that for a lot of people, being being really into Bruce Springsteen is a lot is a lot like being a Scientologist or something. That, yes. You know, if you if you if you're not part of it, you don't get it. Right. You know, it, um, and you don't really want to hear about it. So um, I think yeah. for a, for a lot of people, you know, when you say Bruce Springsteen, they think of that guy in the Born Born in the USA video with the the headband and the absolutely giant afro and and all that and and they can't get past that image. And, yeah, uh, just recently somebody posted for the 40th anniversary of uh, Born to Run that you know I think it was a USA Today columnist like you know he's done nothing really you know and he's overrated and mm-hmm. and you know and I'm talking about gosh I you know. High Hopes, even though there's several covers on that, I really like that album. You know, mm-hmm. as the final, as as an album he's done, his latest album, I think it's relevant. I think it's really good musically, and and I think this last tour 
with the full band shows that he's you know he's hell of a live act and he i think he's still mm-hmm. creatively um making oh absolutely a yeah uh, you mentioned that um article you read i remember a while back reading some article from some music journalist where he was comparing him oddly enough to the beach boys right and uh just completely missed the mark because he was talking about how how the beach boys uh kind of grew up in the same kind of environment that he did but then they make all this uh you know lighthearted music and and bruce's everything is really downbeat and whatnot and i thought it was funny because he had just you know that was you know just a few years before put out magic which to me at least was heavily influenced by the beach boys you know a song like girls in their summer clothes totally agree with you i I think that is his version of a brian wilson song yeah and um it's funny halfway through the the article the the guy started uh kind of defending his thesis within the article and i'm like if you have to take a break to convince people you know what you're talking about maybe you don't (laughs) yeah um so back in 2012, in November of 2012, uh, Lynn and I drove to Louisville, Kentucky to see him. Uh-huh. And then the next week, we had tickets for the Beach Boys 50th anniversary tour. You know, so Brian Wilson, Bruce Johnston, you know, Al Jardine had joined Mike Love and and everyone together. Mm-hmm. And so within Ten days, I saw Bruce and I saw the Beach Boys, and I actually called Dave Marsh's show on E Street Radio to compare the two, and I said, it's amazing, and I I will stress again, I love Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. Mm -hmm. You know, there is such joy in that music, but they're sitting there doing um, the same set every night. Yeah, you know they're going to do the same songs in the same order. Um, the harmonies are amazing, but there is no spontaneity. There is no, I won't say no creativity, but it is just I'm doing a show. You know, it's kind of like a Broadway play. It's you know this is it. We're going to do this show, and Bruce, you never know what you're going to get. And you know there was a joke a few years ago that. I think little Steven said, we write the set list out and then after the first song, we throw it away. And Mm -hmm. I think that's an, I think that's an exaggeration. I think that they know 50 to 60% of the songs they're going to do any time that night, you know, and in, during a show and then they change up and play. And so I would argue, um, that Bruce is continuing to push his art to try to do, um, explore new themes and explore new emotions in his albums. And um, I believe Brian Wilson's latest solo album, you know, No Peer Pressure is amazing. And I, I think it's great that in his 70s he's shooting it. But mm. I, I think Bruce is a totally different, um, it's a, on a different level. Well, uh, go ahead. Uh, I was just, it's really impressive that, you know, People complained about High Hopes that it had uh, it had, had some covers and it had some yeah. songs we've heard before and whatnot. But you know, in this day and age, you know, those there's no incentive for someone like Bruce to come out with a record. You know, he's not making any money off it. He doesn't need it to to right. fill the stadiums and whatnot. So 
everything he does is like that is just a, a gift to himself and a gift to his fans. Yeah, and, and I and I do think you know he said in interviews that he knows that the road before him is shorter than the road behind him. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows just pure, you know, the way life is that, you know, he has, you know, he may have 20, 30 years of life left in front of him, but, you know, at 65, he is on the last half of his life or last third. Mm. And so that's why he doesn't wait as long putting out albums because he, he has something to say and he wants to put it. Um, you know, I love This Is Your uh, Sword. Uh-huh. I, I just think it's so spiritual and beautiful. And um, Dream Baby Dream. Oh, my gosh. That's such a great song. It is a great song. And, and you know, they they did that video uh, at the end of the first half of the tour, right? Uh-huh. And I think it totally captured the joy and the magic of seeing him live. And uh, I, yeah, so I agree. I mean, I think that um, if you've done Darkness on the Edge of Town, if you've done Born to Run, and you've done Born in the USA, those three alone, a lot of people like, okay, I'm done. I've mm-hmm. got a pretty good career. Um, and, you know, I personally love Tunnel Love. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, cool. But then, you know, you're right. Magic. Working on a dream, Devils and Dust. I mean, he continues to just, you know, his muse keeps talking. He keeps putting it out there. So that's just something amazing. Yeah, it's worth to think right now. He's probably somewhere with his notebook out, scribbling lyrics, and that that just amazes me at sixty-five that he's not, you know, putting his feet up and. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you no, know, and and he is enjoying his life, and. Uh, mm. You know, he I, I think he was just recently watching his daughter, you know, compete and it, it's just but I think that music drives him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we've talked about this before in the show. He loves performing. I mean, right. He got up on his brother-in-law's band at a wedding and started playing uh-huh. just, just for fun, <laughs> you know. Well, so, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's constantly you know, popping up at, at this person's show or that person's show, or, you know, he, he can't go very long without. No. Without it. Yeah. And speaking of, uh, you know, just a few months ago, Brian Wilson on his solo tour was in Jersey and mm-hmm. showed up to the show to watch him. And then they had a picture of him um, after the, sh- you know, before the show. And then he did a couple of songs. And, you know, one of the things that, in the South, as you well know, um, one of the worst insults you can give is he forgot where he came from, mm-hmm. you know, um, and Bruce has never forgotten where he came from. He has always remembered his roots and where he came from and gives credit to, you know, Jackson Brown, um, you know, Darlene Love. He just worked with that album with sure. Stephen, you know, Elvis, Little Richard, uh, Brian Wilson and you know Sam and Dave and so many others that you know he loves music and he loves you know honoring his roots so sure. that's very cool yeah. so um, we've kind of talked a lot James but is there anything 
specifically that Bruce has kind of influenced you with or you've used as a mantra? For example, I'm currently in search of a new work home. Uh-huh. And I am I rem, I think of better days often because I think the story of that song is enjoy your life's journey. Mm-hmm. Don't rush to get to the next phase, you know, as you're waiting for your ship to come in. Enjoy the here and now. So how about you? Anything specific or? Well, sure. Um, yeah, you talked to, you know, I listened to the episode you had about the rising and uh, there's uh, there's a lot of stuff on there. Um, you know, going back to um, 2003, you know, it was a. um kind of a difficult time for me and well, for everybody just um sure in the country with you know when, when we're launching the in, invasion of iraq which was like this you know not to get real political or anything but it was just a a mistake that you're watching happen in slow motion nothing you can do about it and um you know that was i remember you know march of that year whenever when the uh tanks started rolling into iraq that was uh, you know really upsetting to to me Right. And on top of that, about the same time, you know, on a personal level, my son uh, was diagnosed with with autism about the same time. Oh, okay. Which is something that was, uh, you know, just really devastating. And, um, you know, there were a lot of songs off the rising, uh, and one song that really stands out, you know, "Land of Hope, Hope and Dreams." That's that's such an amazing song. And, you know, that's something that I listened to just over and over again during that time period. Yeah. Um. You know, um, I've told this story before, but my son had a rough freshman year of college, um, a lot of things going on, and I was driving him back in January after he'd finished his first semester, and and he was pretty depressed. He was feeling the weight of it, and you know, I was telling him, look, your mom and I believe in you. We know things can turn around, and I played Love and Hope, Land of Hope and Dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to pick a favorite song of Bruce Springsteen, that probably would be it. Um, and that would be tough, but I just love that song. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, when my friend Rick died, I um, quoted it at his funeral. And when my dad died, I quoted it at his funeral. Um, and I've said, you know, I, I was lucky enough to do, uh, be the boss on, uh, East street radio in April. And I said, and I hope many years from now, my son will quote land of hope and dreams at my funeral. Um, so I totally agree with you. That is just something really special about that song. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I know another song, you know, you, you guys talked about a little bit just on the rise in that, uh, Waiting on a Sunny Day, which, you know, it seems like such an inconsequential song, kind of a bit of filler or whatnot. But yeah. in that context of, of you know, post 9-11 and, yeah. and everything that's going on in the country, that was, you know, that was a perfect song for that time period. And, and it's one that I listen to a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do, um, you know, I have a great memory of um, – I was at my first Dragon Con, as we talked about, you know, a few minutes ago. Uh-huh. It's a huge convention, and it usually is – well, it, it's an hour and a half, two-hour wait to get your ticket to just your badge, to pick in your badge because it's so big. And so, you know, I had my MP3 player, and um, 
I'm listening to a lot of Bruce and Waiting on a Sunny Day comes on and it's such an upbeat song and I'm kind of walking in the line dancing and I know people are looking like, what is wrong with this weird fat guy? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, absolutely perfect. Mm. Um, so uh, how old is your son? Um, he is uh, 14 now. Oh, very nice. And um, how's he doing? Um, he's he's doing pretty well. He's a uh, he's nonverbal and um, mm-hmm. he, he um, but he's a uh, he's doing as best as he can, and he's a great he's a great kid, and everybody I, knows him, loves him. <laughs> yeah, I have a one of my best friends' um, son um, is autistic, and he just graduated from high school, and they're working with him. He's on a program, and I, I know. I know the struggles and the joys that are given with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I join all Bruce Buds, you know, sending you good thoughts and prayers um, that you enjoy this journey. And I know it's filled with at time pain, but I know it also there can be a lot of joy in that, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, great. I'm so glad you shared that. Um, so we're hoping that 2016 will bring us more live shows um is there anything special uh when you get to see him because you and i are going to be in the car together um uh that you want to hear him perform live do you have a wish list well yeah you know um the show uh in kansas city that i think we both saw yeah um, there were a lot of songs on there that <clears throat> excuse me there are a lot of songs on there that on that set that was at the time was I walked out of there thinking that was a perfect show because he yes. did Land of Hope and Dreams he did Incident and um, there were a couple a couple other songs that I really wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now you know the songs I really would like to hear uh, um, one of them would be Living Proof which is ooh that'd be nice yes that's a a great song um, and song that I don't know. If, if too many people like, but I love is a uh, real world off Human Touch. Ooh, and nice. He never does it. Uh, you know, he never does it with a full band. If he plays it, he plays a real slowed down. Yeah. Acoustic version or piano version of it, but uh, I'd I'd love to hear like a full band of that song. Mm. And um, to go to go way back, one song of his that I really love and listen to a lot uh, is uh, Santa Ana. And Ooh, they would, nice. They would have to fire up the teleprompter for that one, I'm pretty sure, but um but I would love to hear it. Oh, that is a good choice. I um Yeah, I've been lucky enough to hear uh Land and Hope and Dreams and I was really glad that I got to hear it after it had meant a lot to me, you know, after my uh-huh. son's situation and after I had spoke at the funerals. So, uh really special. I would love better days. Oh yeah, um, you know, and then of course the real obscure, you know, the wish or the promise, um, you know, just something. The promise would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, it, it, you know that you go, you know, that's really really hard. Um, did you go see him in Houston? No, I didn't. Um, you know, I I kind of made plans because they announced the Houston show before they did the one in Dallas. Right. And I remember looking at the venue, and and um, I'm gonna, I'm going to date myself here because I, I remember the venue sounded like it was the Starplex here in Dallas, which hasn't been the Starplex in 20 years. I don't know what. But you know, it. I still call it the Starplex. Starplex. So you and I are right there. <laughs> I understand. Yes. And I re- I remember thinking that that was a really odd venue for a Bruce Springsteen concert because yeah. 
and um, I was like, I don't know, if, I don't know if that's going to be good or not. But um, so it'd be interesting to. Yeah, it, thought of that. Or, it was it was a very different, you know, uh, it was it looks just like. I guess it's Smirnoff Center, but yeah, it looks like the Starplex Center. You know, there we had uh, seats. We did not have things on the line, uh, the, the lawn. I'm, I, I'm too old, and my back gives me too much problems. If I sit without, you know, putting my back against the support, sure. uh, it starts hurting. And so we had seats, and um, there was a small pit, but enough for the people who wanted a pit had it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a really good show. I was, a, I was a little bitter. Um, I am not a huge fan of seeds. Uh-huh. Every time he plays Houston, he does seeds because it says Houston Town sure. in it. And uh, he was gonna do um, he was going to do something from I, I don't remember what, but on the set list it showed he was going to do something like um, you know Into the Fire or uh, Frankie. I think he was going to do Frankie Fell in Love. Mm. to open and instead he ended up doing that and i'm like wait a minute no that's a bad trade bruce um but a couple highlights um and you can see this on uh youtube um the two brothers got on stage for no surrender mm-hmm. and they knew every word and it was a sign request for them and the oh, band wow. just loved them singing with him that was great and then someone re- recommended or you know requested uh one step up and they said the band has not played this since you know right after you know the tunnel of love tour Mm -hmm. and so they did that and uh isn't that amazing that he has like a a catalog of 200 250 odd songs and and somebody can pop up a sign and and they're like okay let's do this and and immediately jump right into it yeah and and so he was it, it was just amazing to think about, uh, you know, and Patty sang background and, you know, the band, you could tell they hadn't rehearsed and mm-hmm. it was really perfect. Um, I mention this all the time, but it's true. You know, I, I'm from Louisiana originally and that's where I was born and I, I spent a lot of my time growing up there and the McNeese is my college I went to and Jolie Blanc is the fight song for McNeese State University oh really yeah so when he did that in Melbourne and you know it was a sign request it was just amazing that you know how could they have not I don't believe they haven't practiced that because they were so awesome on it Uh Um, but you know they are just they are really good at what they do, and yeah, you're right. It's just you sit there going, "What? Wow! How could you know? How can they do this?" So, mm-hmm. um, to answer your question, yes, it was very. It was a good ven- venue, and I, I had my favorite. One of my favorite stories is, and I've told this before, but it's worth repeating. Uh, you know, the show's over. It was a little over three hours. It was a great show. Um, you know. I want it all or nothing at all. He did that. And, mm-hmm. and you know, just he did a fair amount of fun stuff. And then a lady's a little drunk and she's like, is it over? <laughs> oh, yeah, the show's over. But but he didn't do Born in the USA. Yeah, he doesn't do Born in the USA a lot. But but it's his biggest hit. <laughs> and so um, that was really funny. So, yeah. yeah. Well, good. 
Um, so I like your choices. I think that sounds great. Um, James, thank you so much for being with us. I hope you had fun. This has been awesome. I, uh, I really appreciate it. Yes, and we will have to meet in person and uh, continue this discussion. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, James, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how can they reach you? Um, the easiest way would probably be on Twitter. It's just at Riderculus. It's real easy to remember. But. Okay. Very nice. Uh, I appreciate you being on the show so much, and thank you. Um, now I'm going to quote Kevin Pollack. Sit there uncomfortably while I finish up the show. Uh, <laughs> if you want to be on the podcast and talk about Bruce and all that implies, please send us an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. It's painless, isn't it, James? Absolutely. Okay. We have a Facebook page, so please check that out. We would also appreciate you going to iTunes to rate and review us. This helps us get new listeners. But for now, I'm going to thank James, and I'm going to close this with, Mama always told me not to look into the eyes of the sun, but Mama, that's where the fun is. Thanks. Thank you. You guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.